You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guests, Margarita Topielski and Tom McCormick of Tailored. As the world begins to slowly recover from a truly global disruption, the supply chain industry continues to deal with the aftershocks that have changed the business forever. Companies who are quick to adapt and adopt new processes, innovative technologies, and dynamic strategies find that they're better prepared to respond to the dramatic new business landscape. Margarita Topielski and Tom McCormick of Tailored join us to discuss what they see today and down the road ahead. Joining me today on the Inbound Logistics Podcast are Tom McCormick, Chief Information Officer, and Margarita Topielski, Chief Administrative Officer for Tailored. Tom, Margarita, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Jeff, for having us. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to have you. Uh, hopefully, you guys are safe and uh, healthy wherever you guys are. And uh, I'd like to have you introduce yourselves to our audience, if you could, uh, and tell us a little bit about your background, what you've done in the industry, and what you're doing with Tailored today. So, Margarita, if you could start us off, please. Sure. Um, Margarita Topialski, Chief Administrative Officer for Tailored, um, just recently joined about a year ago. Prior to that, I was the CEO of um, Glenoid, um, and prior to that, a Managing Director for Louis Vuitton Mode Hennessy Division. Um, being part of a customer pool that Tailored serviced uh, in the past um, and being a CEO of uh, Glenoid gave me the opportunity to understand the customer side of logistic needs. And that's the specialty I bring into this um, senior team. And um, with that, I actually am uh, managing the client services function for the organization as well as the labor management. Excellent. Thank you, Tom. How about you, sir? Hey, thanks, Jeff. Good morning. Um, Tom McCormick. I'm the Chief Information Officer for Teller Services. I've been at Teller for about seven years. I've been doing 3PL for 25 years and in IT about 35. Prior to Tailored, I worked at a, a few third-party logistics companies, starting as a uh, developer and moving my way through over the last uh, 20, 20 something years uh, to uh, you know, running the IT, the engineering and project management group here at Tailored. The benefit I offer the company is uh, deep-rooted knowledge in applications uh, cloud-based solutions, and how all the technology comes together to manage supply chain. Excellent, excellent. Now, speaking of that supply chain, uh, given what's gone on over the last two years, uh, one of the things that we've learned is that uh, product supply can have dramatic swings uh, across the board. Uh, is there anything that technology can do to smooth out those peaks and valleys? Uh, and uh, along with that, is there anything that a best-in-class logistics partner can do to better match demand to supply? Uh, Tom, I'll go to you first, if you could. Sure, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, yeah so technology plays a critical role here in demand and supply. And, and the, way, the way we view this, it, what's very important is uh, real-time information, forecasting, and strategic analysis. And what I mean by that, Jeff, is uh, when we work with our customers, it's important to us to receive uh, information from them through their supply chain, what their demand uh, looks like. And we compare that against what we have because we do hold our inventory in our building. Uh, we provide the uh, portal and uh, benchmark analysis to help smooth out what how we prioritize product. Uh, the key here is having collaboration, working together on the same sheet of paper, um, 
Typically what we see in technology, this works best through collaborations such as Teams or Zoom. Um, we've seen that explode over the last year and a half with the advent of COVID. As a result, it's, it's, there's been a paradigm shift in how information is shared, which goes specifically to the uh, peaks and valleys. And what way we see that with technology is we receive the information uh, orders coming in. We could prioritize based on where they're located in our building. Uh, we also have internal processes that will allow us through collaboration with our customers prioritize specific types of goods or products that go through the stream. So we're pretty open with that. And, and I would uh, think with Margarita on the uh, client services side uh, has, uh, probably has a bit to add to that. Yes, so um, Jeff, one of the things that we pride, uh, tailored prides on is the level of client services that we provide to our customers. Um, basically what we tend to do is sit with our with our customers one-on-one. -on -one. We have regular meetings with them. Even throughout the COVID process, we uh, manage to have some in-person meetings with our customers to understand their business and what this change has done to their organization, to their business strategies. So understanding their business strategies allows us to partner with them very strongly, um, allowing them to allowing us to provide the better solution, be a better solution provider for them. So depending on what is happening with their business, we've been agile enough to flex and uh, understand their peaks and valleys, um, help them identify the solutions that's needed for a higher demand or a shortage of products and how to manage their logistics flow. So this is uh, this has been a very um, strong partnership uh, building uh, platform for us, even though it is not the best of news that we have ar around us. This has been a very strong future to hold and support our customers. Yeah, good, good. Now, um, speaking of that, uh, the logistics flow. Uh, one of the other things that has exploded, uh, uh, given what's gone on, are prices, right? Uh, uh, sometimes those increased costs just can't be passed along and uh, enterprise leaders are looking for ways to partially or entirely offset those price increases. So uh, with that good logistics flow uh, that everybody's looking for, what role uh, does uh, logistics excellence really play in helping to manage all that? Margarita, can you start for us? Absolutely. So um, this this is where tailored is... Uh, very well known in the industry to provide um, solutions for our customers. So Tailored's expertise is to identify solutions where there can be cost reductions. So when I first got here, I'll give you an example. When I first got here, one of the things that we did with our customer, one of our customers is analyzing their storage cost. Um, and we would normally go in and look at storage as pallet positions and how many pallet positions are they holding? And one of the things that we did was identifying it for them. Hey, do we need to have all your SKUs in full pallets or can we put it into half a pallet? Can we consolidate your pallets? How often should we consolidate your pallets? This, all of these things will give them a huge cost reduction, which, which will offset their price increases they're getting from their vendors. So, we pride in providing solutions that are 
not necessarily always um, cash profit for tailored, but it's also a long-term relationship builder for our customers, which, which will benefit both sides, both customer and us, right? We want a long-term partnership. So we provide them with solutions that will keep them going and retain their business in, in, in a difficult time like this. So this is, um, this is how we partner with them. Right, Tom, do you want to jump in there with anything? Yes. Yep, thanks. And to your point, Margarita, on the, um, as far as the flows and uh, process improvements, the technology plays a large part here as well. And we've seen that at Tailored. And, and that's CapEx purchases we've made in the past uh, for bots, you know, autonomous mobile robots, which helps reduce touches, reduces the cost of labor, the availability of labor. And there are other technology that we've put in place and that you would find generally across the breadth of 3PL uh, with the types of processes where, where we batch process, for example. Um, and and as, as far as labor, we leverage labor across multiple accounts versus a single account. Uh, so, so a lot of those uh, CapEx investments that we've made uh, are also contributing to you know, helping control the cost. Now, costs are going up everywhere. We are, we're experiencing that as well. And, and that's, it's a matter of you know, us working with engineered standards, uh, reducing touches, best practices. So technology has come through, and we've seen that here in the last 18 months. Uh, with our, you know, within our installations as well. I want to touch on those best practices, Tom, if you could. Um, as the economy moves to uh, what may be the new normal for everybody, um, are there some uh, pieces of advice that you think would be best for for companies? Should they diversify suppliers? Should they uh, develop solid relationships with a few key suppliers? Uh, and then, you know, where does uh, a good uh, solid logistics partner fit in that whole equation? That's that's a great question, and that's a it could be a double double edged sword. So let let me let me take a crack at this. So so when we talk about diversifying suppliers, um, you're you're mitigating your risk of a of any single supplier having a problem or or, or a log jam, or it could be one of many reasons. Um, however, you're you're extending in, in supply chain. You, you're probably carrying more inventory. It's a higher cost to to carry inventory. Um, the best practices and the way we see this today is you know, with a 3PL or an outsourced warehouse that can handle multiple channels of fulfillment. And that's typically why we would see diversification in suppliers because some, some companies excel in e-commerce while others will do well in retail. What our suggestion is, and, and, and again, I would point to Tailored, is you know an omni-channel fulfillment company such as Tailored that can handle multiple channels of fulfillment with multiple footprints across, you know, throughout the geography would be a benefit um, for any supplier. Uh, first, the first biggest benefit is integration and integration is a bad word in our business. Uh, that is the process of onboarding a new client and inheriting their supply chain and all the problems that come with it. Um, you, you don't want it. You want to minimize that as well. Uh, there's something to be said about ease of systems, the collaborating with a single entity, a single team. So, so on my side, you know, I'm a little biased, Jeff, but I do see, I see the advantages for coming in and, and streamlining your suppliers to a minimum. Um, however, others may see others that are risk adverse uh, would not agree with uh, that entirely. 
So if I could um, add to what Tom is, is mentioned here, um, I do agree with everything that Tom said, but beside, uh, besides that, like, like Tom said, this is a double-edged sword. Um, there is definitely a, a risk mitigation factor for customers who are looking at their suppliers and saying, hey, if we diversify, we won't have all the eggs in one basket. Uh, the risk is very minimal. We, we, if one doesn't work, the other works kind of thing. But being as being a CEO in the past for a consumer goods company, I could, with, with knowledge, I could share that partnering with a key supplier, few key suppliers, is absolutely a mandatory thing for a retention of your business. So what that means is basically you are partnering and consolidating your services within key vendors, key suppliers, which in return, you are prioritized when it, come, when it comes to a bad situation. So uh, again, uh, with an example, let's talk about a custom broker. Um, you can diversify yourself and partner with 10 custom brokers and ship 100,000 units with each of the custom brokers, or you can take all of your products and partner with one or two custom brokers where you become the priority in the in, in the scheme of things, right? So when, when there's hard times like this, you want to have few key suppliers that you could depend on. And you go through the hardships and the, and the good, good times together. So um, your partnerships grows and they are much stronger. Uh, with, with that said, there is also um, tailored um, stance by their customers, even at difficult times. We, ma we manage the difficult times with the customer. So uh, in, in, in all, all, say, all, all times, you know, we have the uh, unprecedented times now. So we all have to work with each other to have benefit for both sides. Um, so this in, in this in this scenario, I would lean more so to have fewer suppliers. Speaking of uh, managing uh, supplies, uh, Inbound Logistics recently did a poll and 73% of the audience said that they would consider shifting inbound product to East and Gulf Coast ports. Now, is that an effective long term strategy or is it just a Band-Aid for uh, for the for the immediate short term? Um, and then are there, are, are there any things that uh, logistics partners can do to assist in, in that strategy? Yeah, Jeff. So, so we're, we're seeing a lot of, uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of containers and product divert through the, through the canal. And, and um, I, I think the world's changed forever. Um, we've, uh, you know, since COVID has come through, um, we've had, uh, We've been seeing a lot of activity in the ports of Savannah, ports of Charleston, even up here where we are in the port of New Jersey um, with uh, the product, product coming through. And the question here is, is it worth another seven days uh, from Asia to go through the Panama and another you know, three to $5,000 of fees? Um, and you know, the way we're seeing it from our chair is the answer is yes. And I'll tell you why. Um, if you look at the, por the ports on the East Coast, uh, you have the Port of Savannah, uh, and that, that port is, they, they're putting uh, about $34 million into extra projects to take some of the congestion off the port, such as containers, and by just by adding yards in the surrounding areas. Charleston has $2 billion wrapped up over the next two years of improvements, and Virginia is probably the only uh, port in the nation that's halfway automated. And a lot of that's attributed credit to the ILU, 
on the East Coast, which is more open to the automation, and it's going to play a critical role over the next couple of years. You find the ILWU on the West Coast, it's a little bit more of a challenge uh, working with, with that group the, as they oppose automation. And, and actually, coincidentally, next year, they're, uh, they're up for bargaining again, and we're going to expect to see price increases. So is it worth uh, mitigating the cost to the increased costs and the, the challenges associated with unions and threats of shutdowns and, and picket lines? Uh, from our seat, yes. Um, that, that is, a, that is a first started as a stopgap, and I would say it's both. And I see that as a long-term strategy going forward. Uh, and it's something that uh, not just our company, but other, other companies on our network we're close to are all looking to the East Coast. Yes, so if I if I may add to this, there is another angle of um, strategy we need to discuss here. As the economy changes, the consumer behavior has changed drastically. So we are going from a wholesale distribution model, which was prominent uh, for a long time, to now direct to consumer e-commerce becoming prominent. Right. Though, so, so even though it's um, not in all areas, but majority, majority of consumer goods are being delivered to your door. Uh, online, online business is booming in every direction. So what happens with that? Um, we need to look at the inventory coming from international markets. They have to get to the consumer faster. So what does that look like? Yes, ports are congested in the West Coast. Um, East Coast is managing it well. So yes, we have to move to the East Coast. And I don't think that it will be, um, East Coast will be the place to be. I, I, I personally feel that it will, after a period of time, it'll, it'll flatten out and we will have both East and West Coast because each of the consumer is not necessarily on one side or the other. And we are not shipping bulk orders as much as we did in the past. So yes, East Coast, um, East Coast uh, coming up and doing, doing uh, better is absolutely a uh, impulse right now, uh, but it'll continue. It won't, it, won't, it won't go back to how it was things the way it was before. Yeah, yeah, Margaret. Let me stay with you for a second. Uh, and Tom, I want to go back to the the ports uh, in a, in a bit. But uh, since we were talking about consumers right now, uh, Margarita, is it possible to compete with the logistics uh, excellence and c- customer expectations of the big e-commerce monsters? And we all know who we're talking about. Um, you know, uh, and and how how, how would how would uh, smaller services do that? So um, I think this is where tailored. Um, our strategy is not to become this big monster e-com provider, right? Uh, we want to do something different. We actually do um, customized um, boutique level service, and we pride ourselves in differentiating ourselves from the competition by saying we have the best client services. So you have that one-on-one care for your consumer. So our customers come in, they send us a FedEx uh, tracking number and say, hey guys, this person didn't get the FedEx. What happens? We, client services, pick up the phone, find out where it is, make sure that that product is on your consumer's hand. So that's where we pride on. Now, if you look at a different conglomerate, that level of service is lacking. You get wrong products all the time, yourselves. Like if you order something from, a, a company, you, you're not necessarily getting the right product. So tailored prides in 
self selfishly handling the it's almost like a white glove service that we provide to to our, to our customers and their consumers tom you want to jump in on that yeah that's uh, absolutely true and uh, we are we we like to look at ourselves as more as that boutique solution um with our customers yeah we uh, even the way we print paper, we put logos on paper. Um, you know, we're, you're not going to see much of that uh, through through the the, the big guys. Um, it, we also it, the, the gift wrapping is catered to specifically what that customer's brand is, how they want it done. Uh, the customer service is bar none. It's uh, uh, you know the we're able to expose real time the status of orders through through a web portal that we give to our customers and. I think the biggest part, Jeff, is is the the engagement we have with the customer when they they ask us the tough questions, uh, you know, on order cycle time and uh, how how can we help each other, you know, replenishment and looking at de- directed put away. We we get pretty granular with our customers and we make them part of the solution. When you talk about these big guys, it's 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 difficult, if not impossible, to get a voice on the phone. And and you're just a, you're you're a goldfish in the ocean. Uh, we like to see them more as a uh, as a dolphin or a shark in the pond with us. Uh, <laughs> they, we listen. So that 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 is really what where where it comes down to um, in in our you know way we see that. But uh, Tom, let me stay with you and go back to the ports for a second. Uh, reshoring and nearshoring is, is that a business strategy, an effective business strategy, or is is it just a reaction to the current events? And can partners? Help determine the the best long term course. When it comes to uh, nearshoring, reshoring, the the difference from from a technology standpoint, we find is, you know, is you know process of, of receiving goods from an international entity versus somebody domestic. There's a little disruption when when we talk about that at, in the supply chain and the fact of processing how goods arrive and going through uh, customs. There there are some challenges associated with. Uh, timing of getting orders out in product for for a three PL for three PL like us, you know, onshore is is clearly the best solution. Uh, selfishly, you know, because we have uh, there's just less red tape to cut through to get that product in. Um, but I I particularly uh, I haven't seen an advantage or disadvantage to either. Uh, we've we've had a steady stream coming in both you know, near shore and onshore. Uh, what we offshoring is a very different animal. Um, you know, and, and the challenge is there with uh, what we've seen with offshoring is the time zone, is the ability to collaborate and work with um, other customers. So I, I don't have uh, any great opinion on the reshoring and nearshoring, um, basically because to, to me and through my optics and lens, Jeff, it's they're pretty close. Um, and we, and, and Marguerite, I, please jump in. Uh, you may have seen it differently on your side. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jeff, I I look at this a little differently. Um, definitely, this is um, you know reshoring, nearshoring, or in even onshoring is definitely a business strategy. So, um, like we said in the previous um, questions, the economy, um, the the way the consumer behaves, the way that we do business uh, is permanently changed as far as I'm concerned. And with that said, uh, you know, with that permanent change, most of the customers, most of the business owners are looking at it and saying, hey, how do we retain our business? And the retention of our business 
highly depends on lead time and how we get the products out to the market into that consumer's hand and continue to do so, right? Uh, in doing that, there, we, we have to look at it and say, okay, what can we change here to get that product sooner into the consumer's hand, uh, which is really getting to a um, real-time shipment, right? Uh, we, we need we need to get there. So how do we get there? How do we get there faster? And producing, manufacturing, and distributing within the country or closer to the country becomes a prominent business decision. Um, it becomes a business strategy. And it's not just a reaction to current status because the current status is not short term. It's going to be the, the new normal for us. So... So I think as um, you know, CEOs sit there and decide on what, how they are going to sustain and retain their own businesses. They're going to look at different, different um, process improvements and business strategies that has to change with the current environment. And this is one of them. This is one major one, is my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, speaking of retaining businesses, one of the things that Inbound Logistics has uh uh, covered in some recent articles is uh, the problem of retaining labor. So with that in mind, with those challenges in play, what about outsourcing logistics? Is that an effective strategy? Absolutely. Um, so I would advise every uh, business owner to look at outsourcing logistics at this moment and in the future. Um, the reason is, for example, tailored. Take tailored. Tailored has the expertise and the knowledge to um, capture the uh, peaks and valleys and also weather the storm. Um, there is a storm that went through and we are able to manage that. Why? We have the expertise and the talent and the labor that we need to manage multi-clients. I know that people in, in most organizations, logistics is one division. But for us, tailored, this is our business. This is what we do day in and day out. So we can look at efficiencies and we can look at um, things that could help solve issues as they come along. So yes, everyone should be considering outsourcing logistics. Yes, Marguerite, I agree. And um, to that, to your point, um, you know, what we what we see here, Jeff, is a lot of the uh, a lot of our customers are they're not some of them are not very large. Capital and sorter technology, MHE technology, uh, autonomous vehicles are usually out of reach for the smaller guys. Um, and for for us as a 3PL, uh, in addition to those CapEx investments we have made, which helps mitigate the risk of a, a very constrained labor force, um, those, those benefits can pass to our customers um, as we don't staff. For a customer, customers... We, we see that their core competency should be in their product or in their manufacturers or their vendors managing their relationships. With, with a 3PL such as Tailored or any other 3PL, um, you have an opportunity to collaborate, to, to get on that team, to be part of that supply chain, helping them manage uh, you know, through, through, our, through our asset. So, so that, uh, that is the big thing for us. Um, and that's how we've built ourselves. Uh, customers come to us uh, because they want to leverage a larger labor force. Uh, we we use multiple agencies uh, because we we have the needs to. So for, for those reasons, um, it is it is the right move. It, it, it is something the today and tomorrow it would 
it, it is something that should be done, outsourcing to a 3PO. Um, Jeff, if I may add to what Tom um, had said, when you look at uh, what Tailored is providing, we are providing a multi-client uh, warehouse management uh, distribution solution for our customers. And what that means is, especially when there is lack of labor out there, um, you don't have to keep a full-time labor force in your business. We can we can give you part-time shared shared labor um, that is not is not standing idle when you don't need them, right? So because we have multi-client base in our warehouses, so it's shared, and you're only getting the shared cost. Uh, instead of having a full 100% cost as well. So uh, in, in, and th this is where the synergies uh, happen for most of our customers. And, and we are managing customers that are alike. Um, so you get the efficiencies that's coming from there as well, because we, like I said earlier, we are experts in processing that product out faster and sooner uh, and reducing the labor that's, that it's a cost for the customer. Sounds like a lot of uh, interesting and uh, effective solutions there. Uh, where can the audience go uh, if they want to get more information? Uh, and uh, is there anything else going on with Tailored that uh, the audience will want to know about? Absolutely. Um, so Tailored is in its uh, peak of expansion right now. Uh, we are now have introduced our Savannah location um, as well as a new second location in Edison. Um, and we have just been um, thrilled to announce that we've been awarded the uh, Port of LA um, yard, uh, which is going to be an amazing opportunity for our customers. All of this information and more um, is available on our uh, website, uh, www.tpservices.com. Excellent. Uh, congratulations on the expansion and the awards. And uh, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, Margarita Topielski, Tom McCormick from Tailored. Best of luck to you guys and to Tailored. And uh, please stay safe out there as, uh, as we go through whatever the new normal is going to be. Thank you very much, Jeff. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash getil. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game. The Inbound Logistics Podcast is a production of Inbound Logistics Magazine. For the most in-depth information around logistics, transportation, and supply chain practices, get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, call our dialogue line at 888-878-3247 or leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.